And I have like a million church passwords for different things. And I, you have to reset them all the time. And I could not remember one of my passwords this morning. I tried like 80 different things. I'm at a loss. And because of that, I couldn't print. So we're going to go with the, with the iPad today. It's not because I'm trying to be cool. It's because I literally, I could not remember my password. I just gave up. That's the first disclaimer. Second disclaimer, this message is a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. I am going to throw a lot at you today. It's a ton. And you're, you're not going to be able to fully process it. Which is why I encourage you, like in your groups this week, to talk about it. Uh, this is this can be a lot. I'm just going to tell you, but you can handle it. And then disclaimer number three: we technically started this uh, a couple weeks ago, and then we had the fire alarm situation. And I was, if you remember, if you were here, I was talking about one Taylor Swift. I'm just going to pick it right back up if that's cool with everybody. All right, that's what we're going to do. And so a few weeks ago. A few of you were at the Taylor Swift concert. If you were there, raise your hand. I just want to know, want to get a comparison. Did you really go? You didn't. Okay, a few people. Actually, it was, it was more than that. You just, you don't want to raise your hand. If you know Aiden, one of our friends, he's going on the Florida trip. He went twice, right? He went to two out of three, which is commitment. And so I told you, whether you were here or not, when I was talking about this concert, is tons of words were used to describe this concert. It's called the Eras Tour, right? And words like electric came to mind, which is a word Mikey likes to, to throw out there as well. He didn't say that about it, but other people did. Um, you know, people say it's like the best ever they've ever seen. Then one word, one phrase that was used multiple times was life-changing. Tons of people were like, this concert was life-changing. It changed my life. And I, I was actually curious, is like, so were you, did you have like an addiction pre-concert and like post-concert? You didn't. I was a little confused by that. So I looked this up. I was like, I want to know, how did it change your life? Because if it did, I, I want some of that. And so one, there was one person in particular, there's actually articles online, you can find them. And it'll be something to the effect of how Taylor Swift changed my life. And so I was curious. So I looked this up and this is what one of these people said. She said that Taylor Swift changed my life because she writes stories that stick in people's heads. She writes stories that stick in people's heads. And specifically what she was talking about was that she was going through a hard season in her life and there were some Taylor Swift lyrics that gave her words to what she was experiencing that she didn't even know how to communicate. Um, which ironically, the song that she refers to is called Changes, which is kind of funny. And she was just saying that these words connected with me and they gave me um, someone else that's been through something that I've been through. Like I could relate to that. And it, it was a story that connected with me. And so I thought about that and I was like, that's really interesting. Like, what does that tell us about ourselves? Because for you, it may not be Taylor Swift, may not be Taylor Swift concert, but there are things that you would say, man, that experience or that person or that situation changed me. It was really interesting. And so I say all this because I think she's actually getting at something that's true. I think it points us at something that's true of just being a human. And, and this is what it is, is that we are unintentionally, okay, we are unintentionally shaped and formed by stories that we believe. We are unintentionally shaped and formed by the people that we let have influence 
over us. And that happens slowly over time. This is a graphic that I stole from, from someone that Heather and I were talking about this earlier. Okay, this is unintentional spiritual formation. This is something that forms you unintentionally. Like you're just, you're just kind of a part of your life, your rhythms, the way you live. And so you're in an environment. Every one of you are in an environment. You've got your family, you've got your school, you've got whatever, all your environments that you live in. Okay. And in that environment, there are stories that you believe. This is where the story comes in. There are stories that you believe. So the world that we live in is giving us stories all the time saying, Hey, this is what's worth living for. This is where happiness is going to be found. This is what's true. And so we all are living according to stories that we believe are true. Okay, relationships. We all have people in our lives. They are forming us. It can be your family. It can be your friends. It can be your coaches. It can be anybody. The relationships in your life are forming you. Then your habits. Okay, the things that we just do daily without even thinking about it sometimes. Those things form us. Now it says high control because those are things we can actually, we, we can have control over. Like we can kind of choose in a way some of these things. Low control though is over time you have experiences in life that you can't control, but those things affect you. And what this girl was saying is that, and she was saying it in a positive way. She was like, I have been shaped over time through my hard experiences by the stories and by this connection with a particular musical artist. It has shaped how I see things. It has shaped me. And so I want you to think about what is shaping you. What does this look like for you? Okay, I can't even tell you how powerful this is. And the reason why is because today we are starting this new series on how we change. How do we experience change in our lives. I'm going to tell you why we're doing that more in a second, but there's three things we're going to hit today. Okay, these are the three things. We want to talk about the desire for change. I want to talk about some approaches to change that we see in our world today, we see in the church today, and I want to talk about the key to change, really the foundation of change. Where do we start if we want to change? So let's start by this. Let's talk about the desire for change. There's a survey that shows that 72% of people, that's, that's about three out of four people, right after COVID happened, especially because when COVID happened, everyone was like thinking about, I want to change this. I want to do things differently. That 72% of people wanted significant life change. Like they were like, there's things in my life I want significantly to change. Like this experience has revealed to me, there's things I want to change. 90% or more of people today want the world to change. Okay. So they look at the news. We see the things that are going on. And 90 plus percent of people are like, the world needs significant change. And so I wonder if you're there. If you're like, yeah, man, I, I, there's things in my life I want to change. There's things in the world I want to see change. There is an explosion of self-help books. Okay, so if you go into any bookstore and you go to the self-help section, it's huge. It's a top three selling um, genre. These are some titles. So I want to read these to you. Look this up the other day. Okay, here's, here's one. This is a self-help title. Designing Your Life, A Guide to a Well-Lived and Beautiful Life. Those are the types of books that are selling. So people are like, I want that. Like, my life's not well-lived and joyful. I need a guide. Okay, another one. Beautiful You, A Guide to Radical Self-Acceptance. So it's like, I'm not accepting myself, so I need this book that's going to help me accept myself. It's a top-selling book. Here's another one. This is my personal favorite one. The Universe Has Your Back transform fear to faith. 
okay? Which is awesome to know that the universe has your back. That's awesome. But this is a top-selling genre that we go to to say, I want my life to change. Okay, commercials tap into this desire. All these commercials we watch are built on the idea that there's something you don't have that you need, okay? TikTok and Instagram videos all the time. There's people, they do the thing where they like hold the camera up and then the words come up. And the, my favorite is when the words like actually don't line up with what they're saying. Like there's like a typo. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's, there's like motivation, getting people excited, telling people how to change their habits. We see this all the times. We seek change in our lives all the times and in our relationship with God. I don't know about you, one of the most common experiences we all have is that a lot of times we feel stuck. So we want to change. There's things in our lives we want to change, but we feel stuck. We feel like we can't do it and we're discouraged by what we see in our lives. The second thing that we see, what makes it hard, is that SP's going to talk about this more in a few weeks, but Sometimes life just puts heat on us is what we're going to call it. It just fills us with heat and it's, it puts pressure on us and we don't always respond well to the pressure, to the heat. And so you might have been stuck in traffic, cut off in traffic, and we'll just say it didn't bring out the best side of you, okay? That happens to me regularly, okay? Maybe something happened with a friend and you responded a certain way or with a parent. It may be the stress of last week at school really caught up to you. And you're like, I want to be able to respond better to the heat that life throws at me. And so these are some questions I want you to think about as we start this, this conversation about change, okay? Just some big questions to start us off. I think I have them up here is, is what area or areas of your life do you want to see change? I just want you to think about that. It can be anything. You can be like, I just want to like work out more. I mean, it can be anything you want. What are areas of your life do you want to see change? I think we all resonate with this idea of there's things we want to be different. But then I want you to take it to your relationship with God. Like if I were to say, what in your faith, your relationship with God, do you want to change right now? What would you say? Okay, are there any areas you feel stuck in? It's like, I've wanted this to change, but I don't even know where to start. I've been frustrated with it. It could be you want to trust him more. It's really hard for you to trust him, especially in this world we live in with all the, the stresses and pressure that's put on you. Um, what a lot of people might say is, is that they want to be more consistent in spending time with him. That's something that so many people would say. There may be a sin struggle in your life. Maybe you've told people about it. Maybe you haven't. But something that you're like, man, I want this to change in me. Maybe you're like, I just want to be more bold in my faith. I wish I had more courage to talk to people about it. It could be all sorts of things for you. Um, and then I want you to think about this question. What is the goal, actually? Like, if we're talking about Christian life change, what actually is the goal? What are we trying to do when we even talk about that? What a lot of people think, what common answers are, is it's getting better and sinning less. Okay, it's like the Drake song, started from the bottom, now we're here. That's what people think the Christian life is like. It's like, I was here, but now I'm here. I'm thriving. I'm amazing. I don't sin anymore. Um, side note, I can actually quote that whole song from start to finish. I'm not even kidding. Long story. Um, that's what a lot of us think, is that it is about being stronger and stronger and stronger. Is that true? We're going to talk about that as the series goes on. But here's the start. And then the, the fourth question is this. What actually changes you? We're going to start talking about that today. What actually will change your life? And what I'm going to show you in a little bit is that a lot of churches even um, don't have the biblical answer to this question. A lot of us don't. And so what do you believe? What actually will change you? 
if you want to experience change. I want you to think about that. Okay, here's our starting point, though. This is where we're going to start before we go to the approaches for change, is I want you to start thinking about this. What do you think has gone wrong in our world? Like, it doesn't matter what belief system a person has, whether you're a Christian, whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Muslim, Hindu, it doesn't matter. All you have to do is turn on the news every night for about 10 minutes, and it doesn't take long to figure out something's messed up with the world, right? It just doesn't take that long. Like, we experience it every day. Whatever you think the answer to that question is, is going to inform your entire belief system about change. Because that's going to affect what you think needs to be changed. It's going to affect what you think will change. And so what went wrong? What we believe in Christianity is that what went wrong is that when sin entered the world and when sin entered our hearts, we now love the wrong things. And so we, we are turned, our hearts are turned instead of at God, and we take things that are less than God and we make them God. So we've become obsessed with other things to be God for us. The other thing we've done is sin has turned us inside of ourselves. And so instead of our hearts being directed at God and other people, they are now pointed at ourselves. And so we are obsessed with ourselves. And so why do I tell you that? Because that means, this is so crucial, the problem, the key problem, I'll talk about this more next week, is not outside of us. It's inside of us. And so we can sit here all day and we can debate the gun laws all we want, right? We can sit here all day and we can be like, if this guy's in office, things will get better. And there's truth to pursuing governmental solutions, but I'm just telling you, you can get the best laws you want. It's not going to change the human heart, right? That's just the reality because the heart is the problem. As someone once said, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart, And so we can try to fix external stuff, and there's wisdom in that. But what Christianity reveals is that you're really, if you just try to treat the external, it's like you're putting a Band-Aid on cancer. That's not going to heal cancer. you got to get deep in there to heal cancer. And so because of this reality that there is this internal messed upness because of sin, and it comes out of us, and that's why we see things on the news all the time. That's why we experience brokenness in relationships at school and in our families. Is that whether you're a Christian or not, I think there is this deep and natural desire for us to change. Because there is a gap between who we want to be and who we actually are. I think whether you're a Christian or not, people experience that. And so what's the solution? I want to start by just showing you this, and then we're going to keep going because we're going to come back to this. What does God do in response to that, to our self-centeredness, to our idolatry? He doesn't turn inward. He actually turns outward. This is what 1 John 4, 8 through 10 says, is that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Like the nature of God is self-giving, joyful, servant-hearted love. In this, the love of God was made manifest. So he showed his love. Like it, it oozed out of him that he sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is one of the coolest words in the Bible. It means that God's wrath has been turned into favor. That's what it means. Like it's a, a switch has been flipped because of Jesus that God poured his wrath towards sin out on Jesus. So he pours out love and goodness on us. So that was God's response to our heart problem 
was he turns outward and he loves us. And so with that in mind, that's the core. We have this desire for change. What are some approaches to change? What are ways that we try to change today? I want to give you three, and then we're going to talk about where do we start. These are like theology words. These are kind of Christian words. I'm going to explain what they mean, but I think it's important that you have the words. The first one is this. It's antinomian life change. Like, what does that even mean? Antinomian just means anti-law. That's what it means. Anti-law. So it's the idea. It's, it's the younger brother and the prodigal son story. In the church, for people that call themselves Christians, we see this honestly in Highland Park all the time. They may not say it like this, but it's, it's the mentality. And it's the, it's the idea that God loves and forgives me so I can do whatever I want. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, this is a very common mentality where we live. God loves and forgives me so I can live and do whatever I want. And really the issue with that is that it, it just misunderstands Jesus' message is really the problem, is that this, this antinomian, anti-law, like I don't have to obey God, I don't have to follow me, forgives me, I can just do whatever I want. It doesn't understand, one, that the nature of God's love is that it actually changes us. That if I get God's sacrificial love, it's going to affect me. It's going to have an effect on me. And then secondly, what was Jesus' message? In Mark, what does he proclaim? The gospel of what? The gospel of the kingdom. And so what does a kingdom have to have? A king. And so when you realize, oh, wow, Jesus is a king. He's not just a nice guy and cool teacher. He's actually a king who laid down his life. What other response would make sense than to, to submit to him? And so that's what it looks like in the church. But outside the church, if we say anti-nomian, anti-law, I'm going to reject God. I'm not going to seek it in his will and ways. Okay, what we see in our society is you might go, oh, do people do whatever they want? Do they not care about change? No, they actually do. Because even though we might talk about the secularization of society, secularization meaning moving away from God in, in everything we do, I would actually say that our society is more religious than ever before. Okay, instead of engaging in practices that Jesus has given us, which we're going to talk about in this series, it just looks like trying to seek change in worldly things. It looks like attempting to generate your own truth, your own identity, your own meaning, your own happiness, your own purpose, your own change apart from God. And so we see that all over our culture today, whether it's self-help, whether it's watching certain TV shows like Oprah or whatever, it's seeking change, trying to find meaning and identity apart from God. But the need is still there. We're just looking forward to other things. Okay, the second one is what we're going to call moralistic life change. This is what we see in churches all the time. And so what that basically is, is it's, it's Jesus plus something else, usually human efforts, to activate life change in your life. So it's, it's, what you'll see is it's messages that always focus on what you're supposed to do. And in high school specifically, it, it uh, tends to revolve around like two things, right? It's like don't drink and like don't go too far with the opposite gender or whatever. Like that's typically a common message, right, that you probably hear all the time. Thinking that if we just say the rules over and over again, people will follow them. Like that's what will change people is we just tell people what to do and they just need to apply all their effort at it. Okay, the problem with this is that that's actually self-salvation. You're trying to save yourself through your effort and your discipline to follow the rules. And so what this looks like, and I have experienced this when I was in high school, is it's a high emphasis on behavior and accountability. Okay, so we talk about 
accountability groups, right? And so it's the idea you join this group and usually it's all about how'd you do last week with a certain sin struggle and most people lie for a lot, you know what I mean? And then you go on. And so accountability groups, they have their role. They definitely do. But the problem with them is they often focus more on our sin than on our Savior. And that's not going to change anybody. Okay, I've seen this happen. I experienced this. And so the other thing you'll see with this is really emphasizing and leaning on emotional experiences. So trying to create experiences that like work up emotion so that hopefully we'll go out of there motivated. Usually the motivation wears off by the time my car turns on. You know what I mean? Because I'm a sinner. And so accountability, behavior, emotion. And then the other thing is Christian busyness. Just like if we can just fill our calendars with a bunch of Christian stuff, that's going to really help us and change us. And so this is what we see in our Dallas culture a lot. We see this all the time. And so it doesn't work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. And so that leads us to the third one. And that's gospel life change. That's going to take me to the third and final point. It's the foundation of change, the key to change. Where do we start? To talk about the desire for change, whether you're a Christian or not, we all have this thing in us that wants to change. Okay, we talked about the, um, the approaches to change. These are common things that you're going to see. You've probably experienced them. And then I want to talk about the foundation of change. So the way I want to do this, I want to give you two different images that I want you to think about. Okay, the first one is this. Um, I don't know if any of you remember this. Y'all will, because y'all were in it right before it died. The, the car that I had before the, the current one was an H3. It was a legendary vehicle. It really was. It was, it was a tank, all right? It lasted 10 years, 10 years of greatness. And then on Mission Dallas, we heard a noise. Y'all remember this? And then one day I was going, going off campus. I was on Greenville and the thing just stopped in the middle of Greenville. And I figured it out and it's a long story. That's not the story. One of the stories is towards the end of her life. Okay, she's named after Parvati, girl that one survivor, if you ever remember her. Yes, I named my car that. Um, one time I got sideswiped and it took the mirror off. Okay, and I, I didn't want to pay for it. I'm cheap. And so I, what I did is I duct taped it. I just duct taped the mirror to the, to the car. And H3s have pretty big mirrors. Like they go out. It's like a pretty large object. So I just, I just duct taped it. And so like one day I'm on the highway. It's windy. It's like in the winter. And the, the wind just knocks it off. Like, and so I'm, I'm like, I actually can't see. Like this is dangerous. But I just kept trying to duct tape it. Okay. And so I learned that's not going to work. Like, you can't just tape it on there and quick fix it. Like, you got to go in and actually fix it. Okay, that's the first image. The second image is this. Um, I don't know if you've ever, if, like some of you do, maybe you're, you have a family member that likes to cook barbecue. Okay, usually the best barbecue, do you just like cook it, it's ready in five minutes? No, you let it sit, right, for hours. You let it soak up the flavor that's the best, is it's got to really soak in there, okay? So two images. Why, why do I tell you those images? Okay, because one of them is the idea of when you seek a quick fix, a lot of times it doesn't work. That's what a lot of times we want with life change. On the other hand, when you let something soak in for a long time, slowly over time, it, it pervades every part of you. And that's what we're after. Two very different ways to live. Why do I tell you that? Let me show you a bunch of scripture real quick here. And I want you to think, what do these have in common about life change 
in the New Testament. This is Colossians 1, 5 through 7. Okay, we're going we're gonna to start in the second sentence here. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Okay, so what did what's causing fruit? What's bearing fruit and increasing in the whole world and in them? It's the word of truth. It's the gospel. It's the good news of what Jesus did that they heard from Epaphras. It's a message. It's a verbal message that they heard that affected them. Okay, Titus 2, 11 through 14. Again, what do these have in common? For the grace of God has appeared in Jesus, bringing salvation for all people. It means all types of people, all types of people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So what trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions? What trains us to live self-controlled? What trains us over time to live godly lives? What does it say? The grace of God. That's what trains us. That's what changes us. Okay, 2 Peter 3.18. Check this one out. But grow in what? in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3.18, key verse for life change. If I had to pick one, this is it. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord Jesus, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, saying when we behold Jesus, when we look at him, the Holy Spirit changes us one degree at a time. That's not a lot, a little bit at a time to look more like Jesus. And then one more for you, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you. A lot of times we quote verse 2. We don't quote verse 1. By the mercies of God. Like, hey, I just spent 11 chapters telling you how loving and merciful and amazing God is in Jesus. Present your bodies to him as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, saying that when you see how great Jesus is and what he did, you give yourself to him and he will transform your mind. The word there, 2 Corinthians 3.18, Romans 12.2, when it says transformed, it's metamorpho in Greek. You can think of what that means. There's a metamorphosis that takes place. There's a metamorphosis. There is a change. And so what we do is we, as we live with Jesus, okay, you see the, the common thing here is that we live with Jesus. When we forget ourselves and we look at Jesus, that's what changes us. We become what we pay attention to. We become what we pay attention to. That's what changes us. And so what we do as Christians, we engage in a counterformation. So the thing I showed you earlier that we're living in every day, this is the counterformation. Billy, if you can hit the, the next graphic, we're going to skip a little bit here. This is intentional spiritual formation. This is me putting myself in the ways that Jesus has given me. The Holy Spirit is at the center. He is changing me over time as I marinate, as I soak in Christian practices, things like silence, solitude, Sabbath, worship, prayer, the things he's given me. As I live in the Christian community of the church, we're going to flesh all this out in the next few weeks, in teaching, as I'm exposed to teaching that points me to the gospel, that points me to Jesus through the hard knocks of life. He uses the hard things in our lives to instill these things deeper and deeper into us. Again, we're going to go deeper into this, but for now, 
What's the point? This is really the point, is that when you live in the presence of Jesus, this is what these verses are saying, when you soak in the love of Jesus, that is what changes you deeply. Everything will flow out of that. The way you live, boldness, wanting to pray and spend time with God, all these things fall into place when you do that. And so as I, I've said this before, I said, said this a ton in the fall, is that it's not about behaving. It's about being with Jesus and beholding Jesus. That is how we become like Jesus. And so I want to give you four things, and we're going to end with this, that are true about Christian life change based on this principle. It starts with the gospel. It starts with Jesus. These are four things that are true. First is this, gospel life change. This is our starting point. It's not found in a program. It's not found in a proposition. It's found in a person. And so we don't point people to a program. We don't say, ah, if you just join this Bible study, go to this camp, go on the Florida trip, that's going to change you. If you just believe these six things, that's going to change. No, no, no. We're pointing people to a person who is living, and that's Jesus. It's about living in a relationship with him. It means that you cannot change yourself. You cannot change other people in your life. Okay, we, and I'm, I'm all for them. You should wear them. But the WWJD bracelet, right? What would Jesus do? You can't do it. You cannot change yourself. But the secret is the more that you actually are with Jesus, the more you will actually become like him and actually do what he did. Okay, so gospel change is not found in a program or proposition. It's found in a person. The second one is this, is that gospel life change, it's not a repair job. It's not just taping the, the mirror on the Hummer. It is an invasion of something new. In Ezekiel 36, there's a promise that God will give us a new heart. He will change your heart. John 14, 27, if you're struggling with anxiety today, the world is going to tell you you need a repair job. You just got to like think differently, change some stuff. But what Jesus does is he, in verse 27, it says, my peace I give to you. That's an invasion. That's like, you don't do anything. I, as you are with me, I'm going to invade you with my own peace. The peace that stills the waters of the ocean. Okay, John 15, 11, He says the same thing about his joy. He will give his joy to you. So this isn't just like, ah, tape the mirror. This is like, you need a full engine. We're going to change the whole car. That's what gospel life change is. Number three, gospel life change, this is so encouraging, is not the absence of spiritual struggle. It's actually the presence of spiritual struggle. So what a lot of people think is that, well, like trusting Jesus, I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to struggle anymore. Like I shouldn't still struggle with those sins. But actually, the fact that you have the struggle is actually evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. There's a fight that goes on. And so what true growth is, is it's not getting stronger and stronger and better and better. It's actually more and more realizing how weak you really are and how dependent you really are on Jesus. And that makes you more joyful because you realize it's not about you. It's about him. And so the struggle is part of Christian growth. Okay, number four is that gospel life change happens when we hear the good news of Jesus over and over again, announced and applied. And so we are in this teaching setting where I'm announcing who Jesus is and what he's done every single week. And hopefully you have relationships in your life, whether in your small group, whether more organically, that help you apply this stuff. That say, hey, how does the good news of who Jesus is actually apply to your life? 
Okay, what Pete Hatton likes to say is that what gospel life change is, is it's learning to build your messy life in relationships around Jesus and the good news of his gospel. That's what it is. So those people, this is the crazy thing, and then we're going to be done, is that people who've almost forgotten themselves because their focus is so much on the fact that they are united to Jesus and what he's accomplished for them, those are the people who over time exhibit fruitfulness. When people focus so much on themselves, that will eventually exhaust itself on its own resources. But when I am with Jesus, paying attention to him, that's where all life change starts. This is what Pete's brother says, and I want to end with this. If I had to summarize everything, okay, this is what I would say, is that if life change is swimming, then the pool is the gospel. So swim in the waters of the gospel. That's where this starts. If life change is swimming, swim in the waters of the gospel. What that means is that Jesus will get brighter and bigger to you. It's you going deeper and in new places and new aspects of who Jesus is and what he's done for you. That's what changes your life is when you begin to be melted by how amazing he is. And so in the weeks ahead, we're going to flush all this out and what it means. But for now, this is where it all starts. I want to end with this. I had a conversation with um, a, a high schooler. This is a few years ago. He was an athlete at Highland Park, and he was really struggling with some of the things with sports, and it was just really affecting him. He wasn't performing as successfully as he used to. And the line, he got my number and he called me, and he basically was like, he, he said, he was like, I feel like I've lost my identity. Like, I don't even have my identity anymore. I don't even have any confidence with people. I just feel like I've completely lost it. And so what I did is I listened and I, I truly just proclaimed this to him. Like I just told him the gospel. I said, hey, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done for you. This is the approval that he has for you. And this is what he said. And I'll never forget this. This is the way he worded it. Is he said, uh, he goes, if I bought into that, it would change everything. That's what he said. If I bought into that, it would change everything. Okay. He got it. Like he understood that the implications of this, if this is true, this will change your life like barbecue, soaking in it over time. If Jesus is who he says he is, and he really did what the Bible says that he did on the cross, and his approval for you is fully free, the more you soak in that love, that will change everything. That's what we're going to flesh out over the next few weeks. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that... Not only do you save us in Jesus, that you actually invite us to experience life change. You don't leave us as we are, but you invite us to live in a relationship with you, to soak up the gospel, to be transformed by your love. So next week, as we talk about our hearts and how this actually plays out in changing our hearts, as we talk about how you use the brokenness and the, the hard things in our lives, the situations. And as we talk about the relationships that we have, Lord, I just pray that you would give us a vision for becoming gospel people, people that are changed by your love over the next few weeks. We pray this in Christ's awesome, beautiful name. Amen.